Hi everyone. On this week's episode, we have the amazing Trent Knox. He is the founder of the 440 Club, and we're coming to you live from Bondi Radio here in Bondi. If anyone who is going through or currently going through addiction to alcohol or drug abuse, then this episode will be particularly interesting from you as Trent goes into deep details on how he managed to not only cope with his addiction, but also overcome it, and he continues to do that every day. Let's get started. So today we are joined on These Lads Are Mental by Trent Knox. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks, boys. So we usually kick off with what does mental health mean to you, but maybe before that, why don't you tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Sure. So my name is uh, it's Trent Knox, and I'm growing up in the eastern suburbs, originally born down in the Sutherland Shire. I was born there, and at the age of about five months, mum and dad packed up, sold up, we bought in Coogee. Grew up around the eastern beaches, went to school around around the area, a private school out in the inner west, been a member of surf clubs between Maroubra and, and North Bondi for most of my life, been very active. Sporting-wise, my, my father was a rugby league player, he played for South Sydney and played for Newtown Jets. He's oh, also, nice. but yeah, <laughs> he's also been notorious as a, as a, a good trainer. And he grew up around conditioning, and yep. so he at a, at a very early age got us. When I say us, my brother and myself into a lot of sports. We were uh, predominantly swimmers at an early age. I think he believed that was a good foundation for any sort of sport. Mm. We did athletics, played rugby, rugby league, yep. and did a whole lot of stuff in the surf over the years too. And that sort of all of that sport has carried on to. I've always had fitness and training and conditioning. It's been a big part of my life. Yeah, and were you in the nippers then? Were you? And yeah, all that kind of stuff? yeah. Nippers. I feel like a lot of Aussies that I know st- start strong with swimming. Yeah. Like even my wife, she was like swimming and not, and then they it falls off unless you go yeah. fully competitive, right? Yeah. I, my mum had a she had a, a, a drowning experience when she was a child. So she was as we grew up. I remember mum made a few attempts to learn to swim, but she was terrified of the water. And dad wasn't, he was an okay swimmer, self-taught. And I, I don't know, I think someone probably planted a seed with dad at an early age that swimming was like... An important life Really life. important, yeah. It's life-saving. You can handle yourself. And the ocean is one of those, uh, it's a higher power for me. When yeah. it's, it's something you can't overcome, so you need to learn how to work with it. And I think it's a gateway to a healthy way of living they start, don't they say that if you live the minute in water it immediately uh, yeah. releases endorphins in your body yeah. it's better for you to live near water yeah yeah if you're on mental health it's amazing a lot of healing there yeah, yeah. and can you swim i can swim eh? yeah see i'm not brilliant at swimming but i can swim yeah yeah see i can swim but I, it's self-taught i couldn't swim for yeah. if i jumped into the ocean maybe when I first got to Australia in the deep, like I, I, I'd be in the trouble. Yeah, I still wouldn't be a hundred percent comfortable now even going surfing, for fear of getting knocked off and then a bit disorientated. And I think I might be in trouble. So I did self teach myself, but we spoke a little bit this morning. We were on the the four forty coffee club, but it was actually a bullying thing when I was a kid. Yeah, and I was I don't know I just had a shit swim, and in Ireland like there's a lot of people who don't swim. It's like yeah. very common. And when I was there, 
yeah i just had a weird shitty swim or whatever and these lads were just like kind of jeering me on the side and then i was like i don't want to go and then my mum was like if you don't want to go i won't bring you which probably was good in the that time but probably not what i needed because then i just never went back and then i couldn't swim for 20 like, odd years and then when you come to australia and not being able to swim like you're a goose but I went to the Philippines on a trip once with Sue and I remember reading all the she was like oh we'll get this boat over these islands and I was like oh getting a bit apprehensive and then I read all these reviews going the boats can break down and you have to swim across from the boat <laughs> I was like fucking hell what are they? yeah and I was like oh this can't this surely doesn't happen but it fucking did happen to me <laughs> if fucking the boat broke down in the middle of the ocean another boat could so and I was like now you had a life jacket so it was fine but it was still open sea that was yeah. the first time it was proper in open sea but then there was like this couple that were also going over and I'll never forget this the the chick had the phone tried to keep her phone out of the water <laughs> and she couldn't swim and then he wasn't oh. much better and then they were showing ropes in and I was like fuck if these guys can do it I can do it yeah. um, but did that so that obviously builds quite substantial foundations for you did oh look it, it does I, in talking about experiences i've had some pretty hairy experiences in the surf over the years i've been out in some big surf and been held under and i think that that fear of losing your life it it, Mm. it rattles you and i think that yeah i can remember doing a bunch of sports as a kid and being pretty competent a lot of things because i just had from swimming a lot of champion swimmers were asthmatics and they were told to swim for their asthma and they became successful swimmers yeah because it was actually a defect there's oh, the, ana- the anaerobic is it yeah yeah yeah, wow. yeah and they needed oxygen to the lungs and i just found that doing a lot of doing a lot of different sports athletics rugby and stuff i was just generally fitter than most of the kids because i swam yeah wow. but look it look it we can talk about it today but swimming's also a torture it's a torture sport as well like you're swimming up and down a black line yeah I, yeah I, I had a pushy i had pushy parents my old man was really pushy and like I, I never got to enjoy it and funny enough i've had a couple of niggles the last few years and i really want to get back and just just swim in the ocean and i was a board paddler so i want to get back to doing that again so it has been a gateway but for me now as a mature adult and how i live my life like the ocean's super important it re-energizes you it's quite powerful even just walking along the water's edge and just dipping your toe mm-hmm. in the water and grounding so that's a really big it's a really important part of my life now yeah we were we've got grant from one wave is all it yeah. talk is coming on in a few weeks time and it literally saved his yeah. life just gone yeah. out for a surf yeah. so yeah it certainly yeah, it does make a big difference and so is what what's going on with trent today is yes. he still training or yeah. like we we read that you have a past in real estate which is a bit <laughs> of a shift john tell us about that <laughs> selling yeah, snake um, oil <laughs> yeah look training wise that's a good question because training for me now compared to what it looked like growing up training growing up was around sports and competition and my parents trying to give us the very best and trying to help us do something with ourselves training you had to do it you had to do the work as i got out of school and we're going into corporate and i was still doing a bit of competing training still for me was just i don't know like it was a chore i I didn't really enjoy it probably i carried on for a long time i always knew 
if I trained hard and I worked hard, that's that was the secret to success. But that also then created habits around partying hard too. And that was the balance for me, train hard. If you go out and have a late night, get up and train, that's okay. If you work hard, that entitles you to a night out. Mm. So there's just this, it was an unbalance for me. We'll talk about it today, but I'm coming up to three years of sobriety. And so movement and training for me now, it's got to be fun. Yep. Every session, pretty much every session, I, I try and make it an event. So if you talk about... 440 the 440 it's run once a week it's an event it's bringing people together mm. now I, I can turn up tomorrow morning and i can run hard if i want to for 10 laps and time myself or i can turn up and run with a few mates or a few girlfriends and run three or four laps high five everyone enjoy the sun coming up connect maybe wash off the week that's gone by also training for me now is being mindful of what my body's doing i'm 44 and it's now requiring more maintenance than it ever has. And I've actually, I'm actually in a rebuilding phase right now. I'm doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of Pilates. Yep, I'm doing right. a lot of yoga. But I've now found love for it yep. because I've actually connected with the right people to help me. I was trying to do it on my own. Mm. I was trying to force it. I was trying to, I was trying to take shortcuts. And I was actually taking the wrong approach. I've been in sobriety and I've been doing all the right things. But when it came to my body and rebuilding it, I was trying to rush it. But what's also happened with training for me now is because I've accepted that things take time and it's ongoing, the things that I don't want to is actually giving me better mental health. My body was going through a period where it was like chalk. I felt that every time I trained, I'd be sore. I, I mm. think I was going to roll an ankle. My shoulders were niggly. And because they were, I was too scared to start working on them, thinking I would damage them more. That's where my headspace was. So there I am, unhappy with the way I move and felt less competent, but I wasn't doing any work to fix it. Yep. And then, you know, Sounds girl, familiar. Yeah, girlfriend of mine, Jenny Milligan, one of your fellow countrymen, mm-hmm. <laughs> she opened a studio in Bondi called Fluid Form and I made a promise to her when she opened up, I would go to her because I trust her. Mm. I watched her train up as a teacher i watched her transformation as a, as a person coming into our run club and we've got a very special bond and i've been with her for over three months now i get excited about going to the studio and not about performance not about getting yeah. better i just i'm naturally getting better yeah, yeah. and my movement over 14 weeks has been phenomenal because i put myself in someone else's hands yep so when it comes to going back to your question about training training for me is it's it's a tool in my belt that i use every day it is a gateway for me to do running events, swimming events, surfing, and having fun. Mm. I don't need to try and beat the young blokes. There's always someone faster than you, stronger mm. than you, and smarter than you. Yep. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think that's, I think obviously if you're in training as well, try to do, oh, I know personally if I'm trying to do my own programming, I overthink it, I do too much. Yep. But as if somebody asked me the solution, easy, that's what you need to do, they might fight back. You're like, no. Nah, Trust me, this is a process. Stick to it. But then I'm thinking, I've got a bit of a dodgy ankle or a yeah. X, Y, and Z. I'm looking at a program and I get three weeks into it. I'm like, I'll just change that and I'll move that around and I'll do that. I'm like, I'd never do this for a client, ever. Yeah. And it just, it's, it's, a, yeah. Aye, it's just you overthinking. As you said, as soon as you put yourself in someone else to take care of that, it becomes, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy the process because you think you remove decision making for yourself. 
It's the same if your partner is Sue's nutritionist and like any nutritional advice that like you just don't heed it like you would yeah. if you actually went down and paid for it. Yeah. I was like, ah, fuck off. I'm <laughs> yeah. you know, like, nothing wrong with you. You're like, if you went to someone else, oh, yeah, what do I need to do? Uh, it's just <laughs> mad, the psychology of it. And was the training, was that going, was that still going as you were in real estate? Or yeah. was there a moment where you were like, aha moment where you're like, okay, this isn't for me. I'm going to focus on this now. It's a good question. I think, yeah, as, as tough as my old man is, I always say was, he's still alive. Um, <laughs> Soft now. My dad. <laughs> he's still around. And the fucker. Like, <laughs> he, the greatest gift he gave me was a connection to training and conditioning and just turning up. I, I guess I've always had it. I've always gone back to it. I think, look, to be honest, it's kept me alive. If I didn't have training, I'd be dead. Like an outlet. Without a doubt. Okay. And for focus and focus. discipline. Just just I just knew that when things got really rough you or I was destroying myself, yeah. I knew that the training would get me back. Yeah. Keep yeah. me out of the darkness. But if I'd gone probably a bit further down, like in from a few years ago, yeah. I would have gone dark and I wouldn't have returned. So it was always an anchor. But it got to a point three years ago that all the training and all the mindfulness and all this stuff and I get having all the right people around you is unless you're prepared to go and walk through that door and go and do the work and get real help, go to AA, accept that as an alcoholic and an addict that you can't go near that ever again. You start getting, you start then doing the work on your trauma and, and all the stuff that, that makes you behave that way. So it, the training for me has been there. It's always been there, for, and, I, and I've been blessed with it. For some people, not, and I'm sure, and there have people that haven't survived this journey. But hand on heart, it's been exercise and mindfulness that's kept me in the game. But it was my last sort of rock bottom yeah. and the realisation. I had a moment that I thought, I, I can't do this anymore. But I will, if I don't make a change, if I don't get help, then I'm not going to exist. Yeah. yeah. I, I was curious about that. I read that when you were in the real estate game, there was an element out of the ego side of things. And yeah. I'd be curious to know more about that because obviously a lot of people listening have got maybe everyday jobs and 95 jobs and maybe they don't have, you know, not involved in training or something like that. Yeah. But I think a lot of people could resonate with maybe their occupation or their culture in that occupation yeah. that impacts them. Real estate for me, and I've shared this before, I got into it because I didn't think that I wanted to work in an office. I wanted to be outdoors. I, ha I did have an interest at an early age in architecture and, and construction. And I, I did some work experience with a friend of mum's when I got out of school. I didn't know what I wanted to do and I, I fell in love with it. But when I, and then I went through my apprenticeship and I did all that sort of stuff. And look, real estate is sales, right? It's competitive. It's like sport. Yep. Okay. So there's always going to be an ego attack. We, look, we never lose our ego is what I realized. It's just creating awareness that we, that we do have one. And you're always living in comparison. You're in competition. You're trying to prove yourself. Like we spoke about this, this morning, yeah. you know, where we fit in. Yeah. And, you know, for me, my real estate career, I liked helping people. Um, I liked being successful. Um, but a lot of it was, you know, also clouded with, you know, um, if I'm successful at this, people will accept me. If I'm successful at this, people will like me and I will get this and this. So you're doing all this action to get something in return. Mm. 
So I was doing, I wasn't being. Yep. And so that what comes with that is that some people might know who they are going into it and people transform into something that they're probably, which is an ugly version of them. I went into it lost anyway. I just thought it was something you do, successful, pay your way, have a life, and you attract goodness. But, you know, looking back on it, it's just this roller coaster of emotion and stress. And, and, I, and I've been very honest with this. The best part about real estate is when the money hits your bank account. Like mm. that is because it allows you to go and do certain things. Don't get me wrong. There's some beautiful moments of selling properties for some beautiful people and yeah, meeting yeah. all this. If you, you, I keep it simple. It's the money. And so you was know, it, did it become like it's sounding like a fix almost that yeah. you're just going for that here. Yeah. You get it. You go on to the next one because you can imagine like yeah. where is the for anyone in real estate where is the end line. Because the minute you sell one, you're only as good as your last sale. Then you're on to the next one, on to the next one, on to the next one. You could have some of the best months. This is the madness in the psychology of it all. And I I still hear friends complain. You've had a good run. And for a week or two, you're quiet. And they go panic station. Like completely like it's the end of the world. I've got nothing happening. No one's calling. I had someone tell me that in recruitment. Yeah. Uh, My old housemate in Bondi, she worked, I think, Hayes. Sorry, Hayes. And uh, (laughs) She said she won state saleswoman of the quarter or whatever. So the most in the whole of New South Wales. The next month she had a slow month and they were pulling her in the office going, what's going on? <laughs> she was like, what? Uh, the pressure on recruitments apparently. Yeah, yeah. that's insane. Like. And what I tie that into in, in if looking at that now, if I had meditation and mindfulness and probably a bit more balance, you don't worry about that because you look at it this way and I talk about this a lot now through our community, is that, you know, you start your day in the dark, you get up and move, you practice mindfulness, you get in the ocean, and you do all the what we call non-negotiables, and you're putting yourself first every day. That roller coaster in any industry or whatever you decide to do in life, I think starts to level out. Because the thing with real estate, because it's sales again, and like recruitment, when it's not completely going your way, you change up a system that was probably working because you panic and go, oh, if I go and do this and I go and do that. So you actually don't have a long-term plan. Mm. You're, you're living month to month. Mm. But if you plan it and go, this is when I'm going to take my holidays every year. This is when I'm going to, uh, this is the time of day my phone goes off, non-negotiable. This is the time I give time to my kids. And you build that out. It makes you become more efficient when you're working. It also makes you do all the things you need to do to turn up in your best form. So if I went back into real estate again, I know what I would do. But that's irrelevant because I'm not going back into it. But, but it's sometimes when I look at real estate on the TV now, yeah. it's just so many shows selling sunset. Yeah. So if I've watched a lot. Sometimes I look and I go, fuck, I wouldn't mind actually establishing that. But you're watching yeah. guys sell $25 million yeah. properties with yeah. a commission of about two and a half mil or something like that. You yeah. That's not... Then I think the Saturday, like they roll out every Saturday, they do showings. It's probably a lower time. There's a lot of people that love it. Yeah. And look, I've got some really close mates who I call probably Myers. I put them in the top of not only top real estate agents, but top human beings. And that they've mastered being a real estate agent, being a human being at the same time. It's very hard to master Mm. both of them. I know others that they don't know who they are and I'll say that with respect because it's all about the next Rolex or the next car and they'll do whatever it takes to get to that. Now that now to me, 
that is not a sustainable way of living. I look at the way people live and I go, is that way, is that sustainable? Because I look at me, I look at what I need to do every day to live a sustainable life, to, to be happy and to be healthy. And it takes work. And you've got to be putting that into yourself. If you're not, whether it's at 35, 40 or 45, you'll hit a wall. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment, you mentioned rock bottom as a term. Was there a moment where you... I had saw- several. In the real estate period? Yeah, 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 I did. I was probably, I probably mentally tapped out about two years before I even got out. I just, I wasn't turning up a lot. I wasn't interested. I'd lost momentum. What, sorry, what, co- what caused you to get to that point? Was it the job or was it just like life in general? Yeah, life in general. What was coming to the surface as my drinking was was getting worse and, and substance abuse. There was childhood trauma and I guess I just had chaos in my life that I wasn't addressing. Yep. And I wasn't stopping going, I need to get rid of this, I need to get help. I'm just, I kept turning up thinking things will get better on their own. So what happened was I, was, I couldn't hold a relationship down. I was losing mates. I was being, I was unreliable mm-hmm. because what was happening when I was good, turning up to work, training, yeah. available, helping people. When I, and then when I wasn't, I was just like, I was not there. Yeah disappear and eventually what happens and and i see this with a lot of other friends now that are having issues with alcohol and addiction is that we believe that things can't get worse you think you've got a handle on it because you can go and have a 3am bender and then still turn up at you get out of bed at 6am and go to the gym and you can do it you're you're functional yeah you're only functional for a period of time those people will eventually yeah. And look, I'm lucky that it didn't work for me. Yeah. I'm lucky that I wasn't functioning because I just couldn't do both. But what would happen was when I would pick up a drink and I couldn't put it down, it was just, it was for me, it was just escaping. I was trying to numb pain that I was trauma. in, trauma. Yeah. I had no idea who I was. I had no mm. purpose. I didn't know what made me happy. So when you don't, you're confused. Do you think that's where addiction comes from, like unresolved trauma from yeah. the past? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you addiction for me is distraction. Yeah, you know, you're trying Escapism. to distract yourself and escape. You're trying to. You just you don't want to sit with who you are. You don't want to, and you don't want to understand. You don't, and you think that once you've been through everything and you've got everything buried, that it's better being buried than actually getting it out. You don't want it to come to the surface and have to relive it. Mm-hmm. But the thing I've learned through my recovery and through the work I've done, it does come back up. But once you have someone helping you and give you the tools, it goes and you get lighter. Yeah, You never lose those experiences. I still have moments where I remember things, but they're gentle reminders now of how far I've come and where I've come from. Yeah, we mentioned before how in the past we – like mental health, you think, oh, I can solve this, but yeah. it's not really like that. You just have to learn how to cope with it and manage yeah. it. And then when something comes up, if you're trained and you've got the tools, you said, yeah. then you can get yourself through that period. Yeah. And and then the awareness part is key because then, okay, shit, I'm spiraling here a bit. I need to do something different. Yeah. Do you have any tools or tactics for that at the moment where you're in that scenario going, mm, I'm slipping here a little bit. I need to solve yeah. it. Yeah, so, so me slipping it. it- this year has been where I might I might isolate. In terms of picking up a drink or any of that stuff, that for me has been long gone. Mm. 
But before I answer the rest of the question, someone said to me the other day, do you think you'll ever drink again? Yeah. And my answer was, I don't know. And they go, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to get hit by a bus next week. Yeah. And it's, for me, the it's statistics safer. are are pretty. Uh, yeah, harrowing. we don't know. Seventy percent of people will. What, uh, will addiction? Yeah, no, alcoholism will yeah. go back to it. Yeah, yeah, it's like the numbers are like. So you're fighting against a very high statistic. Yeah. yeah. So I look at that and go, it's silly to say that I'll never drink because I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I don't even know how many people are going to turn up the run club tomorrow. Yeah. And, but what I do know is that. The, the, the tools that I've accumulated, so I try and get to an AA meeting almost every day. I'll get, but on average, I average between four to six a week. Wow. I look at it like a training session. I just go and sit there and listen to people. Yep. I haven't grown tired of it. If anything, I, 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 I seek them out even more. I know then I've created, <laughs> I've created a thorn in my side in our coffee club. I, I go live every morning, but... 4.30 a.m., can I just say. And... <laughs> Hence the bags today. But there's a relationship that I've developed with the darkness, getting up mm. in the dark, and I now really love getting up in the dark and I guess welcoming the sun every day. Yeah, leaning into it. Yeah. Leaning into it. And like we spoke about mm. this morning, there is that the peacefulness and the solitude in the morning for me allows me to reset and allows me to spend a moment to maybe of gratitude and reflection. So if I do that, I move every day. I love my exercising again because my body's starting to move the right way. Yeah. I have connection to the run club every Saturday. So it doesn't matter how bad it gets on a Friday where, you know, everyone's annoying me and I hate everyone. I know that if it's it's two o'clock on a Friday now, yeah. if I've had enough for the week, I'll just go, right, hang on for a few more hours. You can go and get a pizza. You can lay on the couch. You go and put your head on the pillow and your alarm's going off tomorrow morning at 3.30. I will get a slap on the backside and a hug and a kiss from multiple people tomorrow and I know I'm safe and I know that's where I'm meant to be. The most important thing is that for me living seven days a week and I make sure that I tick off my boxes every day. I'm a Vedic meditator and pretty much it's very rare that I don't meditate twice a day every day. It's very rare that I don't get in the ocean every day. It's very rare that I don't drink as much water as I can every day. And there... and if you really want to compact those things, you could do all that in 60 minutes. Now, for those of you that don't know, there's 1,440 minutes in every day. You know you're doing the math in your head right now. <laughs> so it's 1,440, which is our numbers in the mix there. And so I always look at it and go, whenever I find I don't have time for things, I go, there's 1,440 minutes. Mm. You can't find 20 minutes. You can't find 10. And I'm like, this is me talking to me. going, mate, that's bullshit. Yeah. And... Now what's happened, I've just created patterns and I just, I don't even have to think. It just tells me what to do. In my subconscious, go, you've got a 30-minute window coming up before your next meeting. Go and meditate in the car. Mm. I'm messaging friends all the time. I'm messaging friends that live overseas. When I'm at BP buying coffee at 4 o'clock, I'm texting them doing selfies in front of the chocolate counter. It's connection. Mm. It's me just saying hi to them. It's me letting them know that I'm about to go live. And if they're up, they'll tune in from the UK yeah. or from Dubai. Yeah. And it's just, I've reinvented my life is essentially what I've done. That's a hard thing to do though. Reinventing your life is a big, as you said there, you're meditating, etc. Yeah. I think, and especially modern culture, social media and stuff, we see a lot of these people. It's just, 
this is what you do before you wake up and it's this big huge list of like a thousand things <laughs> and you probably relate more than me Sully because you've got a, a young kid imagine me saying to you right Sully you start working you're running your own business yeah. and then you have to as you said you can dance it in 60 minutes but that takes a lot of discipline it takes a lot of takes time takes time right, yeah. people are trying to go straight to the oh there's Mark Wahlberg's morning plan I'll just follow that <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. no worries mate yeah, yeah. they're trying to cram all this stuff and yeah. if they don't they might do it for a week yeah. they might do it for two weeks so then they don't and then they start beating themselves up oh I miss my meditation my journal my ice bath and all that. that's mental you're doing yeah. far too much stuff there just pick one thing yeah. I'll tell you five minutes once, and see how we go once you have a kid everything just goes completely out the window yeah it just does and especially nowadays with modern families where it's more 50-50 with parents you know, you're, all, you're both involved in it so having a shower or going to the toilet or like they're sometimes like luxuries like do you know what I mean there's very few, it's difficult to structure your day. But your I life. think with the morning routine, I'm not even morning routine, I know you say this is like a daily routine, but I think for a lot of people's morning routine, it's so upset, people have become obsessed with, there's a special recipe for a morning routine, when there's not, obviously there's multiple tools like you said in your tool belt and what you use specific to maybe what you like, what works for you, etc. But a lot of people build these morning routines and then if they miss one thing, even if they've done nine out of ten of them, they feel like their day's been ruined that to me is not a healthy morning routine yeah. it should be a case of like you said you, you may take twice a day but I'm sure if you've done it once you're not going to be like fuck's nah, sake nah. Yeah. And, and to me and, I, and like, I'm sure some of the listeners will disagree discipline's dangerous yep when you talk about discipline and you go I've got to do all these things every day when you fall short discipline that equals failure yep and then you get the point and go, well, I'm not getting it done, so why would I do it? So what have you done? You've, you've talked yourself out of doing it, whereas me, I'm not organised. So I'm not the one that you'll see doing a TikTok thing. Of thing. I, and I don't have, because I get up super early, I tried to meditate before the coffee club. It doesn't work. Mm. It's just an extra, because I need to find half an hour. I don't have it. Mm. When you do it long enough, my subconscious tells me what to do, Right. And I don't, this is the, another thing, like we're talking earlier. If I do X, Y, Z, I'll get this. I don't have a formula that I don't, and I'm not trying to get anywhere. I'm not trying to get anything. Yep. I'm looking at, I've reinvented and I've got a new blueprint the way I live my life, which allows me to deal with trauma, which is ongoing, allows me to practice self-care, self-love. And then what ended up happening is good things start happening opportunities happen like i get new friends and and that's not from ticking eight boxes every day yep it's just that i need to do something on that list every day it's yep. like i say to, to my guys and girls that train with us i said don't ever beat yourself up if you don't turn up to one of my sessions if you wake up and your hand on heart being honest going i feel fucked my body hurts i'm not going to get through one of your sessions today I go cool that's okay hit the button let the drop down go what are your options why don't you go for half an hour surf? Why don't you go for a walk on the sand? Yep. Why don't you mm. just go and do a uh, try and pop into the yoga studio, but don't stay in bed. Yep. Don't use like head saying is sore. It's probably not that bad. Don't create the narrative and don't allow it to control. Because if you don't move, because I call it being a, a sookie la la, that can fuck the whole day. Yeah, or it can fester and hang around. Yeah, you know. give yourself permission yeah. that you don't have to run 10K. Mm-hmm. Give yourself permission that 1K is okay. 
and this is the thing I, like and you see these people that they and is they don't they're trying to get somewhere they're trying to achieve something whereas for me it's I just want to live a happy life mm-hmm. and these are the things that I've worked out for me that I have a strong connection to and don't get me wrong I'm 44 it wasn't until 40 that the, the cog started turning properly yep I was just trying to figure it all out and I had success in some things and failures in others but I watch people around me go too hard too soon. Yep. And they just like COVID, everyone's doing challenges. Their bodies, a lot of people's yeah. bodies are in repair mode still. Yep. And, but and, also, the, there was the global stress of the home environment, which is still. That can be overlooked as well, the stress. That we spoke about this last week. Yeah. The grief in terms of stress is stress at the end of the day. Your body, the physical stress, mental stress. Yeah. Your body has to recover from that stress. Got to release it. Yeah. Release it in some yeah. way. Especially for guys, macho, like where if you get a spare moment, I go to the gym because if I go to the gym, I'm going to look better. And then it's all this thing, whereas the slow down part, the yin, the yang kind of thing, um, it is changing, which I think is great. And I think that is good advice as well, that you don't have to do it, but to do something else. Because sometimes you go, everyone goes, I don't want to do this workout. And then afterwards, you usually go, I'm glad I did it. You need dialogue and go, this is what I normally say, this is what I normally do. How about and that and it's interesting because that you might have a five minute conversation with yourself to talk yourself into or out of. Mm. Early days, it'll, you'll talk yourself out of it. Then it condenses to four minutes, then three. All of a sudden, you're still having that conversation, still saying, "Hey, why don't you stay in bed?" And you go, "Okay, I know what's going to happen here. I'm going to go back and forth, and I'm still going to stay in bed. I'm going to feel like shit." How about I just cut to the chase? I'm going to drag myself out of bed, as Leah Simmons says. Leah says, "Grab yourself by the hair." drag yourself out of bed, flop yourself on the floor, whack your skates on and get out the door. And I've never regretted, like I said to you this morning, never regretted getting up. Yeah, if you think of that, actually, you never, you when don't. you do get up, have you ever regretted getting up? No. Never. Even you can be small, angry. I'm yeah. foul. Oh, I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even after I chat this morning, it was like 5.15 yeah. and I've never done a live. I was like, fuck, I'm just going to do a live. And yeah. I was like, just felt like I needed to tell. Yeah. I just had to get it out. Where I was like, fuck, I just felt buzzing. Getting yeah. up is definitely one of those things though. It's like the whole vegan thing. How do you know if someone's got up early? Don't worry, they'll fucking tell you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was up at four this morning. Yeah, no, I had to tell the whole world. I was up, it's quarter past five. I said quarter past five, yeah. but it's three times. But we're in shock because we're, it's against the grain. Like when we started the run club, I used to get everyone telling me to, like get fucked and I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'll do it yeah. at six, I'll do it at seven and and why don't you change it? And I just went, nah, it's five o'clock, it worked for me. And you know what happened eventually? They go, you're not changing this. I went, no. And they started turning up. Yeah. Guess what then happened? Do you want to go they saw me there and tied every week. Then they started turning up every week. Then they started becoming runners. Then they started feeling better. Yeah. Then they started bringing their own friends. We're coming up to seven years next year, next week for our birthday. And seven years. Seven wow, years wow. from when I first started it. Yeah. And then it's been the last sort of, since sort of 2018 when Toddy's got involved where we, and then we mucked around for a year or two and then we've been working on it. But it works. And I now can sit on your podcast and in any interview we do and you know, live television say, you start your day in the dark, you get off on the right foot. You start your day in the dark, you get to let go of whatever happened yesterday. And, it works. It makes you get to bed early. Mm. And then you've got the rest of the day to figure it out, like what you need to adjust to turn up for the next day and the next day. You're never going to get it right straight away. But it, 
I th- one of the other things that dawned on me this morning is that it gives you a competitive advantage just on not just with everybody else but even with yourself because yeah. it was quarter past five yeah. and I had a few hours where I was like fuck what am I going to do here yeah. and then I do you know what I did I, I, I had a coffee in that Tim Pin place yeah. I had a pastry and yeah. there, was all, there was so many people there by the way yeah, pumps. I was like whoa holy crap this is what people are doing when I'm asleep and then I drove home I was about to get out of the car and I just saw a glimmer of the sunrise. I was like, fuck, I'm going to go and watch the sunrise, yeah. which I hadn't done in God knows how long. Drove all the way back down to North Bond. I sat in the rocks for 40 minutes and watched the sunrise. And what did it cost you? Oh, nothing. But I was, Free. I was, just, like, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> like, a happy head on me. Yeah. And then I was like, then we saw whales. There was yeah. two whales. I heard this, this lady was on. Like, oh my God. I was like, what? And there's whales. So I got to see two whales. Do you know what I mean? So that was just from getting up early. Yeah, I think what I think is good about that, mate, is, and it goes back to what you're alluding to, like the whole consistency beats intensity sort of thing. You've got a 441 club, which I don't think we've really mentioned. Can you just explain quickly to people exactly so, what Yeah, yeah. So, the, so 440, and like I said, we're turning seven. So it's, a, it's the car park at Bronte, which is also the old tram line, the Bronte cutting. And back in, I would have thought, late 2015, early 2016, I, me and a bunch of mates were doing hill sprints. Yep. So it, was, it worked out, it was 440 metres. We wanted to find something that was 400 metres up a hill because we used to take the old the old track session, 10 yep. 400s. Yeah, yeah. We put it on Personal a hill. Math. Yeah, yeah. So, so wow. we do... I thought it was because it was 440 in the morning. Nah, so it's the metres. So we... <laughs> Double whammy. <laughs> so what we used to do was sprint to the top and walk back and we'd do it like on a four or five minute loop. And over that three to six month period, we got super fit, super fast. Like I was running fast half at eighty five kilos. I was running like I was running like three a sub four minute pace for marathon half marathons. And anyway, it made me wow. super fit. After that block, all the boys dropped off, and I kept turning up on a Saturday morning yep. for accountability. And I was just getting out of real estate and going into the fitness space, and I was like mentally all over the place. Looking back now. I saw this, and after a couple of weeks of doing it on my own, I couldn't sprint on my own. I used to love beating the boys. So I started looping it. I thought, you know what, I'll keep coming and just loop it and, and don't stop. And then after a couple of weeks, I thought, this sucks. So I just I went on Instagram and I just put the 440, because it was 440 metres, set up an account, put an invitation out, said, please come and do hill loops. That was on the 16th of June, 2016. I turned up on the Saturday. <laughs> it was just me. <laughs> and now... And over the years, we just kept turning up every Saturday, same thing, same menu. And, and it suggested you do up to 10, but you can do one, you can do two, you can walk, you can run. During And to be completely transparent, for the first couple of years, I was like turning up some weekends and disappearing other weekends. I'd been out. Would you be hung over and stuff like that? Yeah, or yeah. still out. Oh, yeah, so still away. Just straight out. Yep, yep. And people have to go and run it on their own. And... And then Toddy got involved in about 2018. He came down for his... I'd been harassing him for a long time. So he, who's Todd? Is he so a Todd, Yeah, Todd Lubinskis. Yes, he's yeah. my business partner and mate. And I'd met him several years before in the fitness space and I got reconnected with him. We had a lot of older... We have a lot of older mates. We all trained and he was crossfitting and rugby playing at the time. I got him down. He, 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 his experience of sharing was just the magic of watching the sun coming up and realising that it wasn't about performance. He got the hook into him, and we we spent a lot of time together. and 
And we just started pumping it out there on our socials and inviting people and just telling everyone about it. And then we just, I think uh, over a period of time, I can't remember specifically, but I think trust was formed Mm. because we were two blokes just turned up every week without asking for anything. And people started going, hey, we should support these guys. Yeah. Since then, we've grown into multiple run clubs. Our mantra is we start in the dark. So we literally physically start in the dark, but we all experience darkness, whether we're learning to run, coming out of a relationship, life-threatening illnesses. And what we what we pride ourselves on is helping people develop a relationship with their darkness and realize it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it inter- isn't it interesting that you set that up whilst you were still finding yeah. it out for yourself? That's the, I think that I was going to say that connection again, yeah. realistically tying it back into training again. Yeah. That training yeah. has been the sort of foundation. Look, look, it, it has, and I've had to evolve my training, and that's the important part. As human beings, we're sophisticated, but we're designed to evolve, and when we don't evolve, we go into a sort of maintenance period, and then that's when you go into destruction because you're not, you're not involved in what you're doing. As we get older, you can't move the same way you were at 21. And for me to turn up to that run every Saturday, there's things I need to do so I turn up in my best mental, physical, and spiritual space. And they're, they're my things that I, my daily non-negotiables that I need to do every day. How, a, how many people at a 440, say, <laughs> on an average now? Uh, 150. In summer, we were hitting 250s and 300s. And when I say everyone, we've, got, we've had four-year-olds there lately. We've had eight-year-olds there. We've had... People coming down with busted knees, just coming down and marshalling just to come and connect. <laughs> but, 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 just, but they're not even running. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we nice. we oh, have Simon Davidson, who's become a really close friend of mine. He's a brilliant photographer, and I was talking about him before. He got hit by a car several years ago. He can't run. So he comes down and shoots the group. He loves being part oh, of it. Exactly. Yeah, the photos are always amazing, by yeah, the way. I'm like, yeah, and, and he's done a he, – the way he, he tells the story of what's happening on that given morning because mm. – and the reason I, I make that point, one of the things we pride ourselves on is that um, our menu never changes. It's been the same thing since day one. Mm-hmm. But it is handled hard a different experience every Saturday. There's a different energy. The different moon's vibe. in a different position. The sun's coming up from a different angle. It's raining. It's, there's too much energy. There's not enough energy. And it's, you feel it. It is just, it's never the same. And when Simon shoots, he captures whatever's happening that morning. And is the swim part at the end, is that mandatory or is that nah. like, no, nah, that's... Everything is, it's what you want to do. It's do, a, we call do it most a, people do a dip? Yeah, run, dip, sip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we call it a run, dip, sip. And <laughs> it just becomes part of the, and there's, for me, the, there's a, a process there. It's like you turn up to connect. You move how you feel based on what your week's done. The people I find that have had rough weeks and decide to, go ham down there don't last that long because they realize that running flat out up a hill for 10 <laughs> yeah. it, it will break you so what it teaches you it will well, it's 400 meters that like 440 that's and, a, a whole athletic track and a little bit yeah, yeah. 10 times yeah and, and yeah but and then 260 down so 700 a loop and what it does it will make you fit but it'll also teach you a lesson that when you're stressed and you're angry Putting yourself under more stress doesn't always help release stress. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to say this before. You know, if you, when you go to the butcher and you buy a really bad piece of meat, it's really tough yeah. because, because that animal's being killed under extreme stress, right? Yeah. 
And so what the turning point going back to training for me now was years ago when I was angry, I was going through breakups or whatever chaos bullshit, throwing weights around a gym and punching the shit out of a thing or running till I turned purple was what I did. Mm. So you're stressed, you put your body under more stress. You haven't got to the bottom of what the problem is. So as you said, yeah. mindfulness, ocean, walk, put, peeling back is what I do now. Yep. That's where Orange Theory was born from, yeah. right? They do only 80%. Yeah. Their whole thing is you shouldn't be pushing your body into those no. extremities. You can do it 80% and you're still going to get well, there. That's that probably the foundation of most, again, an SNC and multi athletic yeah. like sports teams. The most common, so I work mostly with soccer teams, and the most common thing we'll see is players, especially semi pro, amateur, if the coaches are doing their programming for pre season, they'll batter them every single time. Yeah. That isn't. A recipe for disaster and if you look at a common elite level football team most additionally saturday obviously they go 10 out of 10 rpe going all out yeah. and then maybe the tuesday they'll go a hard session that wednesday that thursday that friday yeah. so they're doing stuff mm. like you said it doesn't mean not doing anything they're still doing stuff but the intensity is different the volume's different how they're balancing that stress is it's like that i would say you would notice as well but like for amateur or semi-pro or whatever, when you get injured and then when you get back and it's feeling all right, like you should really build it up, right? But then you go, I'll go out and I'll do a 10K run. <laughs> because you've got muscle memory. And see, we live in a world since COVID of, of comparison. Mm. One of the things that my dad taught me years ago and it stuck with me and I, and I find it humorous now because I get the young guys coming out of the run club and trying to outrun me and, and I just I have to tell them I was like fuck off just yeah. go you're faster than me don't run with me you're, yeah. it's that there's always someone faster than you stronger than you and smarter than you and one of the things that I was learning before sobriety and in sobriety is that I just get honest with myself and go what do I want out of this mm. I don't need to try and be the fastest or the strong. I don't need to prove anything. I was the fastest at the run club for a particular period. period. That's, yeah, gone. that's gone. And the guys that now have broken the records are phenomenal runners. That's what they are. Yeah. They weigh half of me. What is the record? It's 20, 25, 58 for 10 laps. So they call it 7, 7.2K, 25. Yeah, it's, and I mean, it's what I'm so saying fast. Like the only time to weigh up. What about the weight? No, no, it's, it's the, whole, the, the whole distance. So it's, it's 700 metres a loop. So do you, like, what, do you walk faster though? Back. No, no, we're well, not walking, but we do continuous. We, we it's, oh, it's, so you it's sprint a loop. up and then you run well, down. Yeah, the yeah so you go, you go up the cutting and then it goes onto the road and, and then you, it links back up. It's, it looks like a big Nike tick from when you see it on Strava. Jeez. And so, oh, the, so people actually sprint up and, and then sprint down. And sprint down. 25 minutes. Yeah, it's fast. And I love Weapon. that, that people come down who are track runners yeah. and they'll go, so this is, and this is beautiful, you guys are really like this is that they come down and do a hill session with us at five yep and it works for them because they can go and have a swim and a coffee and a rest and then they're going on a long run at eight o'clock yeah. right. so they're getting fit so you talk about pre-season and conditioning work if you're any sport if you're not coming and running hills with us like you're not getting an advantage over people so the hill training is supposed to be that with like the one the best it's hard you do, right? it to train your body right? <laughs> yeah and that's the beauty in what we've created and what a lot of we don't talk about this enough, but it's good we do today is that hill running is hard for anyone, right? Anyone says it's easy, run faster, run more. But what we're actually doing as a community when you have 150, 200 people, we're carrying each other. We're taking something that's really hard, but is really effective, and we're sharing the load. Mm. So for me to go and run down there on my own, it sucks. <laughs> but put 100 people with me of all shapes and sizes and all diversities and all 
and having she's had a good week he's had a rough week and with all this chaos it just it levels you out there's no better there's no better feeling than that I don't think as again I'll always refer back to sport but in a group pre-season is about the best you know from rugby is when it sucks and when it's terrible and there's somebody going come on mate one more and when it finishes and you think I I did not think I had four more in me yeah how did I do four more? And you're buzzing me yourself. That feeling is... Because you handed it over. Yeah. And, and, and we call it sharing energy. So yeah. one of the things that we pride ourselves on, we share our love and our energy. And, and it's important. I've had to lean on Toddy a shitload when we're training. I've turned up going, mate, I'm out. This is, I'm all over the place. And he just, you come on, mate, come on, let's do it. And you drag, he drags you along. And then there's other days I've had to do it for him. Mm. And... And that's why when you try and do it on your own, that's when you make all the wrong decisions because you're trying to fix mm. yourself. Yep. I said it, I did a little appreciation post for Gary just because if it wasn't for Gary, like yeah. it, well, this podcast wouldn't yeah. be. He's pushed me. Like I yeah. had the idea for years, but it was only because of him that it sparked the interest to actually go and do it. I'm the same with Toddy. I've had great ideas and, and I, we wouldn't be where we were today if I didn't have someone to lean on. I would have been still scratching my backside and trying to figure it out. And when you're doing something good and you've got a good idea, the right people come in to your life at the right time. I'd love to go back as well. So thinking of it chronologically, 2016 setup has been going for a few years. You mentioned it around three years ago was when you first went like clean. Yeah. What happened? So what's that around twenty twenty? So twenty twenty, yeah, yeah, June. So what happened? Because like, obviously you were doing this great thing at the same time, <laughs> but probably keeping up appearances. Was there a certain moment something happened to you where you were like, and this is where I was thinking of the whole addict thing because there's, there's, yeah. there's addiction in my family as well. I feel like I've got an addictive personality personally as well, but for some reason I do seem to have a lever sometimes from shit, mate. You need to sort your shit out here. What was that for you? Was there a moment where you? So like, it was a build up over years. And like I mentioned before, I've been a Vedic meditator and, and I think having that tool, I've, I was doing more and more as the years went on. So I, what I didn't realize that was actually building a really good foundation for me and it helped me make better choices than what I was making pre- in previous years. I'd started doing a little bit of work with a psychologist, so this is pre-2020. I'd have a blowout every now and then. I wasn't drinking regularly, but I've you know I've had a go. I had a go, and it was just to numb myself, like binge drinking kind. Yeah, binge yeah. And, and, yeah. and drugs. And would, would it be a one day or like a? It could go. All it could go. It could go two days. Yeah, and I'd be isolated, doing it on my own. Start with people, on my, and then up on my own, and then got into twenty twenty. And I remember we were ready to go. Like everyone, a lot of travel. We were meant to go into a running event in America. And I just remember the whole process for me was challenging. I was just in a funk and I just was unhappy. And there was something building end of 2019, end of 2020. And I just knew that it was something was going to come to a head that year. I just knew it in the back of my mind. And then I. And this is COVID as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had a couple of blowouts, start of 2020. And then All America got cancelled. We're in lockdown. I had maybe one more in May or April, and and I think and I was on Toddy's radar then too. He was starting to get worried, and then in June I had I just got bored one Saturday night, and then and I did it and I was gone for two days, and then 
and to Toddy's credit, he held space for me. But on the Tuesdays, mate, I want to talk to you. And I met him at a cafe down in Bondi. And I knew going to see him, I was defeated. I knew I was done. I just had no idea what I was going to do, but I knew I was done. I was like, this, I'm going to end up, I'll end up dead. And I, I can't go, I need to destroy whatever I am in whatever form I am. And anyway, I caught up with Todd and we, you could see he was really worried, but he was, I think he was frustrated with the whole thing too. And because I kept it pretty well hidden. And I think that, but he was at a, and he just said, look, I don't know what to do. I'm worried I'm going to get a call. And I just sort of sat there and let him talk. And then he just said, mate, what can I do? What can I do to help you? And then it, for me, that was my lightning bolt moment. And I just sat there and I looked at him and I just started you know, like laughing. And he thought, what are you laughing at? I've shared this several times. I said, mate, there's actually, in that moment, I realized there's nothing he could do. I knew he would always be there and he, he was always going to be great support. And I had all these people around me. And I, but it was that moment, this is on me. If I'm not prepared to do the work, nothing will get better. And at that point, I literally said, mate, I've got to go. And I got up and I hugged him. It was 11.45. And he goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going to AA. Going back to the meditation stuff, the meditation is the things that help, has helped steer me in the right direction and tell me where I need to go. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, first of all, recognize that's amazing to, to come to that yeah. conclusion yourself because a lot of people, especially dealing with addiction, can't get to that. As we're saying, the statistic. Do you think this is going to be the nature versus nurture thing? Like, the, the you mentioned Vedic meditation was a good yeah. foundation. What do you think it was that gave you that power in yourself to make? I think there was a higher power out there, and I spoke to Matt Ringrose about this a while ago. I remember I said to him, "Mate, why? Why do you think I've survived so long?" <laughs> And he said, mate, there's something out there that wants you around a lot longer. And for me in that moment, and that was my higher power going, mate, we're not, really, we're not ready to let go of you yet. We want you around. And I think for me, I had to cut the bullshit. I had to get honest. And that was the honesty part, like going, I can't do this on my own anymore. Mm. I, we talk about an AA, my life was unmanageable. And I had to hand it over to a higher power. People can talk, whether it's their religion, whether it's God. I just know there's something out there greater than me that wanted to keep me around. So I went back into the rooms. I just, all I knew on that day, I had to go and sit in a meeting. I didn't know what it looked like after that. I got through that. I reconnected with my psychologist, who was a drug and alcohol specialist, and I had a great relationship with him. And I just said to myself, for the next seven days, I'm going to get to a meeting. I was very sensitive at the time. I was like I was broken, but I knew that's that that was my only option. After about a week, I caught up with Todd, and he said, "Look, I'm really concerned about you." And I was still getting up and doing the coffee club at the time. Mm. I was dragging myself out of bed even when I didn't want to get up. And I look, I've looked back on some of the old things. And I look like shit. I look, and then he said, "Look, I don't think you're going to be able to manage the coffee club getting up, and I don't. It's a lot of pressure it's on too you." Much, yeah. And I said, and I didn't argue with him. I felt that I found that during that week I wasn't arguing with him. Whatever anyone told me, I'm like, yep, yep. And I was like, I was defeated. I said, look, can you let me sit on it? Let me think about it. Let me come back to you. So about a week after that, I was I was sitting somewhere, and I just again I had an, I had my second lightning bolt moment, 
and I was sitting there and I was just looking at the table. And I gave and I said, I've got two options here. Option A, I can ne- I make a conscious effort to never drink or take a drug again. And this 440 thing that I've created will become something amazing. I don't know what it'll look like, but it will. I just had this moment going telling me it will happen. Option B was stay sober for a bit, clean yourself up. You feel like having a drink, go and have a drink. But 440 will fail. And you'll be the bloke that said, everyone says, whatever happened to that run club, whatever happened yeah, to the bloke. Yeah. And I just sat there and looked at it on the table and, I, and there was no in-between. There was no option C. It's like one or the other. And I went, I want, I'm curious to see where this 440 thing goes. And, I, and that was easy decisions. Like if that's a sacrifice, which is not a sacrifice – so I went back to Todd and I said, look, I need the coffee club. And he said, why? I said, because it's going to keep me sober. It's your purpose. It's going right? to give me sober. Yeah. And it has. I haven't picked up a drink. I haven't sniffed a drink. I haven't thought about taking a drug. And and we've been doing the thing for over three years. It's, it's helping people now. We've got people tuning in, mm-hmm. guests coming on. And hand on heart, it's the greatest decision I made. And the coffee club's built on my sobriety. And it's now become a, an important tool in what we do. That's obviously transformed your yeah. life. No doubt, there's obviously a massive community now. Yeah. Have you heard stories or do people tell you how it's transformed their life? Oh, yeah, I've got yeah. a catalogue of them. I'm living proof. Yep. And that's enough for me. And it's like, the other thing I was going to say is that one of the things that my psychologist said early in the piece, he said, Trent, your job while you're on on earth is to find out who you are and going back to what we were talking about before when I was using at work and working in real estate not knowing who I was I really didn't that coffee club turning up and putting myself in front of a camera every single morning and just waffling dribbling making mistakes cameras falling over I don't have the confidence and the ability that I have now in front of a camera or on a podcast if it wasn't for that so what I learned was it wasn't a skill set I acquired. What I acquired was I acquired who I was and who I am. It means that I can turn up and be me, not feel ashamed, not feel guilty, not worry about trying to impress people. It's just me talking to a camera every morning. It's me getting up in my dark and hopefully helping someone else get up in their dark. And I just share stories. Yep. And, and, and I don't plan it. It just comes up. I, I wake up, I turn up, and it just comes out. And that if that... That for me was my, I guess, my third lightning bolt moment. It's like, that's who you are. That guy, that's you. Because I don't have to pretend anymore. I don't have to try and impress. I get to, I get to live with purpose. And if, if there is anyone listening out there, you spoke about maintenance earlier on. You've also spoken about that creation, maintenance, yeah. destruction, which is a, a Vedic, Vedic, Vedic thing. Everything is created, it's maintained, but it will eventually die. And yeah, if you don't live in, you got to try and try and live in in, in creation, creation as yeah, much as you and, can. which is evolving everything. And yeah, so yeah. if there is, if there's people out there at the moment, do you have any tips around the maintenance part? Is it like, yeah, there, look, there is no. And we say it was the same with mental health. There's so many things you can do. Each yeah. thing is different. Yoga might change Gary's world, but it might not do anything to me. Do you have any tips on? Like, yeah, look. I've, and I've shared this before, for people that are out there that are struggling, firstly, you've got to get honest. 
And if you're struggling, say you're struggling. Yeah. Get honest with yourself. Don't don't push it under the carpet. Once you acknowledge and that there is something going on that is making you feel less than, get all the courage you can to, to go and ask someone for help. Like just don't ever be afraid that someone's going to say no, right? You have to get out of your own way, right? You can complain and say how bad your life is. And I always say, I guarantee I've followed you around for a whole day. There's probably five or six changes we can make. The other thing is that you've got to be prepared to, you know, sit with what's going on. Like you, you've got to – look, it all comes down to what you want. For me, success and what I want, I, I, I just want to live in peace and be happy. That's when I get up every day, what I say to myself. But it also sounds like you had good people around you, like Todd, for example. 100%. Like we've heard the term anchors before yeah. from other guests talking about you need yeah. anchors in your life, yeah. whether they know they're an anchor or not. Yeah. Um, and it sounded like he handbraked you, which is like a, another term you hear a lot when you start yeah. doing psychology. And getting handbraked is never good. Or getting a text message from someone going, hey, can we have a chat? Did you find this oh, I get like, it's never a good chat, is it? No, it's never good. <laughs> yeah. Like, why don't you just go, I've got something really bad I need to say to you. Just fucking come in. And I was like, five, do you have a spare five minutes? Yeah. Oh, you're fucking, you're yeah. in trouble. And, but just on that too, when you do receive those messages, also have a chat with them say, you're not going to lose an eye. Let them, let that person talk to you and then go, if you don't know how to respond and you don't know what to say, just say, well, can you help me? I'm fucked. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the surrender part. You've got to be prepared to surrender. Yep. That's like the, the hard the, part, yeah. It's, it, vulnerability, yeah. 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 The, other, the, the, the final thing is that there's no shortcuts. I'm coming up to three years of sobriety. Can I tell you, there's not one part of me that thinks I'm anywhere in the clear. You know, Do you take it like, is it a day-by-day thing? Like you, You've mentioned a couple of very specific times, days, dates. No, look, I know I've got to do something for myself every day. I go to my meetings every day. I, there's a time what I go to because it works for me. And it's taken a while. So there's people that go to lots of different meetings, different places. There's one up the road I go at midday because I start so early. It's my, I call it my smoker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and can I tell you, I turn up there most days and I'll probably fall asleep in the seat. Yeah. But I'm there. And I guarantee within that hour I will hear something I'm meant to hear. Mm. And I have a guide that like, I meditate when I don't want to meditate. I move when I'm tired. And they're the things that have kept me kept me on this path. Yeah. Like I know that if I don't meditate today, I'll get to an A8, I'm not going to pick up tomorrow. I think now, rule of thumb for me, if I didn't go to meetings for 90 days, there's a, there's a, there's chance, a, chance. I, there's a chance I probably would You'll pick up. Out, yeah. and, and, and that's listening to people in the program. Yeah. Is that the most of them that pick up, there's a pattern. And they lost everything. They stopped doing all the things that work for yeah, them. Yeah. The good thing is, the stuff that I do for me is not work. Like I'm sitting here now. I'm a bit tired. I've had. I've, we did a pop up 440 on for for World Running Day. I've been training really well. I've had a bit of work on. I'm tired, 
But I'm also excited about the alarm going off at 3.30 tomorrow because I'm going to go and connect. Uh, and I'm going to see a bunch of kids down there run with. And it's... It fills you back up. It's my yeah. social. Yeah. I like that you framed the tool. It's like a toolkit. Like all those things, that, yeah. all the good things you do go into your locker. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to take them out every day, yeah. but it means they're there. So when you need it... Oh, yeah. Batman's got his belt. And, yeah. you know, and I look at it like that. It's like, what do I need today? Yeah. What's going to help me navigate this? And... One of my tools is if I'm having a, I can feel something coming up and I'm just frustrated and getting a bit short. And when you about to have a bit of road rage, I go, you need to go home. Yeah. So if I have nothing to do, I go home, have a shower, jump into bed, or I go and jump in a movie. And I'm cool. Yeah, yeah. Because that's my rule when I've got nothing to do, nothing. Yeah. And I give myself that space because one thing I've never done in the last three years, I've never acted out on anyone and lost my cool. Maybe not. That might be a lie, but close to it. And because if my response to someone, if which is not a good one, is a reflection of what's going with me. It's not something. It's not something they do because people act out all the time. There's, and there's weird stuff happening. People say things and I'm like, "Why'd you say that?" And I go, "You know what? I hope you're okay." Mm. But mm. I have a choice of responding or not. I have a choice of pulling that oxygen out or leaving it in and then and breathe fire on them. Yeah, there's like her. Mel Robbins, have you ever yeah, seen yeah, her? She's yeah. brilliant. She, there was advice she was talking about for relationships that if you are in a, if you're in a 50 50 thing, 50 50 thing with yeah. your partner and yeah. it starts getting a little bit personal or it's gone up a level, the tip is just walk away. Yeah. And even if it's five minutes or it could be an hour, and then come back and yeah. pick the conversation up, otherwise you're going to get harsh with each other. Did she not say something like, if, again, if it's a couple, you could be in going, look, I want to be honest, I'm not. At a fifty percent today, I'm yeah. at twenty percent. Yeah, and she's like, it, yeah. I'll pick up the eighty. Okay, cool. Maybe yeah. some days you're both at twenty, yeah. and you go. Let's avoid yeah. certain conversations. Exactly. Give each other some space because it's going to end up in disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It goes tit for tat, and and nothing good comes of it. And I, and like, I catch myself out. I, I, I just, I just know, it's like drinking for me. I know if I pick up one drink, what's going to happen. I don't need to dip my toe in the water. So I know if I, in conversation with someone, they say something that annoys me and I say something back despite them, I'm engaging them. Whereas yeah. if they say something that frustrates me, as well, the next thing they're going to say is probably going to be more frustrating. Mm. So I just don't respond or just nod my head. I'll mutter something under my breath, but that's better than me actually responding. responding yeah. And just say, hey, I've actually got to go. Yeah, it sounds, that goes to the whole validation. If you yeah. seek it in others, you're never going to find it. You've got to find it yourself. One last question on the yeah. addiction thing. Do you think it's a bad thing all the time? Because like, you can be addicted to things that are actually good for you. Yeah. Which I've got lived experience in that where you pick up a bike for a while, you get all the gear, you do all that, or you go running yeah. and some things don't stick. But what's your opinion on that? Is it like if you're addicted to something that's technically good for you, is that can that still have negative Look, effects? Or? I think we're, we're all made differently for me it's having awareness of things it's like saying i'm living a good life now but i still isolate myself too mm. it's when i go why am i doing it so the addiction yeah like i go from when you're dealing with alcohol and drug addiction you can become addicted to food like i, I went through i feel like i'm a bit like that yeah, I think food for me at the moment Look, has become very emotional and i've done all those bikes and stuff like that and then but food seems to be the thing now. I can't go through the day without having a bit of chocolate, yeah. which I used to laugh about. But then I was like, I don't know if this is actually becoming the. Like, but but, you, but I come back to where we're human beings, right? 
okay, we're not perfect. And we spoke about Betty's Burgers and stuff this morning. And like, love Betty's. It's like, and going back to what we're talking about discipline, if you go, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm just going to live like this, like, you'll probably mm. break eventually. And for me, it's if it gets out of control, I now have a higher state of consciousness as I can go, right, I need to probably get some help on my food. Um, I live in addiction. I've accepted that. I've surrendered to the fact that's how I'm made up for whatever reason. If I keep meditating, I keep being kind to myself, it just goes, right, okay, you're going down this path, maybe just steer a little bit left. And I think that when you don't try and fix yourself or try and remove those defects of character, you just, it's like when you get an injury, like a good physio would say, you learn to live with it and you build around it. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be completely the way it was when you were born. Mm. So if you either got addiction in your DNA or you just picked it up along the way. I feel that I have to fight off addiction. 100%. And I think it's in like my family and it's, I see it as like a dark cloud where I feel like I could slip. But there's a silver lining to yeah. it too. I think if you're aware of you've got addiction in your you can then pick up some tools. If you're a Vedic meditator, you keep your meditation going. You might want to do your advanced mantra, would say, with Matt, or there's other things you do, or you might join the run club and then you get more out of it than just the running. And all of a sudden, those things that like are there, yeah. they're just not as on the surface. And, and to that, what Matt would say, when you're dealing with trauma and things like that, the more you meditate, you're not actually taking those things out. of You're not rewiring yourself and removing those circuits, right? Yeah. But you move, you just move further away. Yeah. So there is an awareness that it still sits there and it's festering. Yeah. Or you let it through is another way I've heard it as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it, it, when you try and block things out, is mm. I think that's the danger. So I think that there's nothing for me in my journey and what I've experienced. Yes, it's been traumatic. And I say that lightly now because I've done the work to move beyond it. But doing what I'm doing today and the relationships I have and more important, the relationship with myself, I, I don't regret any of it because it's I'm alive. I'm doing something I love. There's been some, some challenging days, but having those challenging days allows me to appreciate the good days even more and allows me to help people when I see myself in them and go, hey, when you come over this side for a bit, yeah, you can <laughs> stay away the from there. And and you can, I'm being of more service. Yeah, we we finish all the time yeah. with these. Uh, four questions? Three or four? Yeah. Yep. Simple answers. Uh, got, got so, 10 seconds for each other. Yeah, easy. <laughs> no, I'll, go really short. I'll go short. I'll go short. So number one, where do you think the world currently is out of 10 in regard to mental health awareness? Four. Four. Where are you currently? Out of 10 in regards to your own mental health right now? Seven. Was that after this podcast? Or? <laughs> <laughs> was that 10 before sure, they come yeah. in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should ask people that. How is this podcast affecting your Five and dropping. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you could recommend just one thing that people could do each day to improve their own mental health, what would it be? Meditation. Meditation. Yeah. Cool. And probably the best thing, for especially people around Bondi or in Sydney, mm. is... Where to find more about the 440 Run Club, yes. more about yourself, and how did you get involved? Yeah, Instagram for the 440 is at T-H-E underscore 440. I'm just Trent Knox, one word. 
5 a.m. Saturday morning, Bronte, rain, hell or shine, 52 weeks a year. Don't be late. 25 minutes to beat. Don't be late. That's, <laughs> that's pointed at me. Well, bro, mate, look, thanks for not your time, mate. I'm a busy well, man, so yeah, I appreciate no. it. I was going to ask, it's, it's global now, isn't it? Four, yeah, four? we were. We had a couple in the States, but they got shut down with COVID. But I, I think oh, yeah. we'll eventually, we'll end up with a few overseas, yeah. And there's a few in Australia, don't Yeah, we? we've got Queensland, Perth, uh, Melbourne, where else are we? Gold Coast and a few around Sydney. Just what? like a little good four forty run dip sip. It just sounds uh, run dip. I love that uh, run yeah, dip. Punchy. Yeah, run dip sip. It's awesome. <laughs> and where in Queensland are you? Oh, Miami. Miami. Yeah, oh, and we okay. did have one in Cairns for a little while. Yeah, yeah. did one in Brisbane for a while. Today is Friday, and tomorrow is Saturday. Yeah, so, so locks day yeah. one, day and one then tomorrow. Sunday is the day after that. And then when, <laughs> oh, but tomorrow is. 440 so yes. we're gonna try and get our asses down there yeah, love to see you boys, are you gonna do it Gary? i'll give it a crack mate at short notice but next saturday maybe a better option for me you can oh, do yeah. two then you'll have two you'll have one up on him ah, yeah right. yeah i'll be fitter than you by next week <laughs> my back is cooked but apparently i can straight i can run straight lines so i can run i have a straight line mate you're all right yeah straight to work and also, I better do a shout out because this yeah. is the first time we've recorded at above. Bondi Radio, which is above uh, the Royal here in Bondi. So any of our normal listeners will know that Gary and I do it off the back of a cigarette packet for the most of it. We started in... Now, thank you so much. I was no, really, really, really appreciate your honesty and openness. Yep. And that was great. We haven't actually tackled sobriety or yeah, really addiction. No, that was good. the first time. So it was really no. good. And it's very personal for me. So no, I, my I really pleasure. Enjoy, really enjoyed it. And uh, fair play to you, mate. Thank you. Absolute legend. So. What up, man? Cheers. Thanks, Cheers, boys. Mate.